Amen. Amen and hallelujah. Good morning, church. You may be seated. My name is Beth Paz. I am the director of Young Adults. It is my joy and delight to bring a word from Scripture this morning. We have been in a series in the Beatitudes, and if we have been studying these things, they are actually the values of the kingdom. And so today, I want to talk about our identity in the kingdom. It has been a privilege to travel the world. In the last 60 days, I have spent 32 of them abroad. And uh, let's see if you can guess the countries that I've been in. I've eaten pierogies. I've eaten naan. I've eaten, um, let's see, baklava, barek. Anyone know where I've been? Pierogies in Poland, naan in India, barek in Albania, and baklava in Lebanon. Throughout my travels, I've been in a sky-rise tower in Delhi, and I shared a meal with a Gen Z millionaire. And then in a small village, I sat on a stone floor with one of the last sari weavers who has a wooden loom and makes handmade saris. I met a professional basketball player in Lebanon who towered over me and I played football with the Albanians and I cried in the sanctuary of a Polish pastor as we prayed. And I laughed as a stranger in a park in Lebanon let me hold her baby girl that was just cooing and smiling. I stood outside in a church and a, a high school Syrian girl gifted me her story. And I sat inside a refugee center as Ukrainian women shared their refugee stories as we drank tea. It has been yet another incredible privilege to see the created and the creation. And to learn from brothers and sisters around the world and to understand how they teach us to be faithful and obedient followers of Jesus and live as kingdom citizens beyond our national identities. So these stories and the word that God has put in my heart today is an echo in scripture that say those who identify as Christ followers become this unexpected family. And that together we span the globe and we become fellow citizens in a heavenly kingdom. And together we can talk about this morning how we access that kingdom how we strengthen our identities as citizens of that, as of that kingdom, and how, as kingdom citizens, we are created for a purpose. Are you ready this morning? Let's read from Scripture. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us 
All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But God, but God, because of his great love for us and who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this, it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now all of the stories of faith that I have encountered in the last weeks have this in common. They are centered around the living God. Psalm 47, it says that God is king of all the earth. And out of Daniel it reads, for God is a living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. This is our living God, the king of the world. The reality is that um, there's two kingdoms for our spiritual home. And this passage juxtaposes those two kingdoms. There is one of God and one of darkness. You see, in the beginning, God's idea was for us to only experience the perfect, the complete reign of God, this beautiful place filled with harmony and shalom between everyone and everything. It was a place, this garden of Eden, with meaningful work and safety and joy and love. It was a place designed for communion with God and for human relationships to flourish. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we understand what happened. Humanity, Adam and Eve, thought that they might have a better idea of how this relationship with God would work, and they chose disobedience, and they severed that communion between us and God. And then in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, Cain went against God's idea of how humans would relate, and he chose violence and murdered his brother, and he severed the design for how humans would flourish with one another. And thus, another kingdom was born. Colossians 1.13 says it is a kingdom of darkness. And now this kingdom is our default placement. It's our default placement. 
Its patterns are consumed with the ways of this world in, uh, in verses two and three. It says that when you followed the ways of this world, it's defined by disobedience, by gratifying the cravings of a sinful nature, following its desires and its thoughts. It's a kingdom where we glory in our shame. It's a kingdom where our God is our stomach. It's a people filled who self-gratify violence and lust and evil and sickness. You guys know too well the characteristics of this, thing, of this kingdom. Too well. But there's access given to us to this other kingdom, the kingdom of light the kingdom of God. And it's open to all, however it's your choice. It's given to us as a choice. So when I was traveling to India, um, myself and my teammates filled out a series of requirements to maintain a visa, right? So you go online and you fill out all your contact information, everything about you, and you say, hey, I'd like access to your country. And I had been praying and preparing for this conference for three days, 12 sessions, lots of work. And my team members, one by one, they were getting their visas um, returned to them. Great job, they're like, I got my visa, I got my visa. I'm like, I'm still waiting for my visa. And I, I was getting, starting to get a little nervous. And then I got the email and it said, access denied. <gasps> Wait a second, I can't, you can't not let me into India. <laughs> I'm a good person, I have good things, I can't wait to see, I've never been there, I wanna see it, experience, doesn't matter. The country of India doesn't want me in India, they don't have to let me in India. I started, I, I went back, I, I like filled out more information, I continued the process, and I was incredibly excited about this one piece of paper that I finally received. Your visa has been granted. Yes, they gave me access. The access to the kingdom of God is not denied to anyone. It is open. We have this as a gift, scripture says. It says because of love, there is grace and we have been given access to the kingdom of light. We don't come with the power in and of ourselves to grant ourselves access to the kingdom of God, but God did. Verse four, his great love for you. Not based on your achievements, on your accomplishments, on your family lineage, on your IQ, his love for you. He loves you. Some of you, that's the only thing you need to walk away with today. God loves you. He loves you and he is rich in mercy towards you and me. You see, he could have thrown in the towel. Hey, you decided. You decided your own way and let us die a miserable and hopeless death. But no, God went on a rescue mission for us. 
He went on a rescue mission into the kingdom of darkness to overthrow it through Jesus Christ and through his death on the cross, it became the currency through which our souls are saved. The currency, what kind of currency do you have? I found, I collected some currencies along the way. Is it, is it rupees? Is it Lex? Is it dollar bills? Is it uh, Zalatis? I mean, all these currencies got mixed up, but none of them can access the kingdom of God. This currency is worthless. The currency that saves our souls is to receive by faith grace in Jesus Christ. And so now we have access to the kingdom of light by grace and you opt into this by faith and your identity as a kingdom citizen is confirmed. It is as if you receive a new passport, a kingdom passport. Everyone has one of these in here. You know that moment of, if you misplace your passport when you're traveling. Scott had to give up his passport in order to secure a box of missing craft supplies for our VBS in Lebanon. And all of us went, what? You gave up? You, you left your passport for days for a box of VBS supplies? Isn't there a better way, Scott? <laughs> we were so relieved when his passport came back. But we all can have a kingdom passport, and with it comes certain privileges and responsibilities. I want to talk about one of my friends that I met in India, Charles. I think you're going to see some of the themes of access and identity through Charles's story. Charles. Uh, was part of this mission hospital and the, the place where we went in India, and he gave us a ride to the beach one day. And so we got to hear his story as he began to talk about his life and his journey to faith. Charles gave me permission to share this with you today. He was born the first son after five daughters. His parents were happy, probably his dad. Uh, and his parents dedicated him in a Hindu ceremony. And even as the only son, he grew up quite mischievous, got into a lot of trouble. His, all of his friends were in and out of prison. But he got a little bit older and he realized, I want to know what truth is. And so he went on a personal quest. For one year, he dedicated himself to understanding and asking that he would find truth. He fasted lunch every day for a year and went into temples to pray, searching and waiting. Nothing, nothing. And at the end of that year, he gladly began to eat lunch again and renounced his faith in religion altogether. Well, God sent a young man named Daniel into Charles's life. And Daniel was able to speak about Jesus Christ in such a way that broke through Charles's logic. He was floored that a God could live in a place where human hands could not destroy. God could live in the human heart. Charles was floored. 
He went back to one of his old hideouts with all of his buddies. It was through these thorn bushes. And he went back into this little place and he thought about this idea that God could live in human heart. And he heard a voice. He saw his sins before him and he heard a voice that that revealed Jesus Christ to him. He jumped up, he went outside of the thorn bushes. Who is speaking to me? No one was there. And Charles knew he must follow Jesus. His life rapidly changed and he vowed to preach Jesus Christ to some of the people hardest to reach. Tribes who practiced cannibalism. Now this was going to be part of his life's work, but as was custom, he was getting ready for an arranged marriage. So what were his requirements for his future wife? It was that there would be a woman who would be willing to go preach the gospel to those who practice cannibalism. Small requirement. And the second requirement was that she not be of an ethnicity of a feuding tribe. He still held some prejudice in his heart. So, who do you think was found to be Charles's future bride? It was the only woman who said she would go and preach the gospel to the cannibals. And what was her ethnicity? Oh yes, unfortunately, it was that of the feuding tribe. Charles knew that God was discipling him into a deeper kingdom identity and that God was saying there's no room for these ethnic prejudices that you carry. So who will you follow? And so he said of this, God brought her to me. God is my mother and my father and my creator, and he knows me better than I know me. And so his wife was an incredible gift. Later, Charles went on to be disinherited from wealth and homes and power and his parental relationships because of his commitment to Jesus Christ. And all he said of me, uh, to me was, I want God's presence his richness. This final slide here, it shows Charles. Charles and his tattoo. And I know you may not be able to read it, but it says, cannibals for Jesus. Some of us need to up our tattoo game, all right? Charles completely floored me with his love and devotion and obedience to Christ, even obedience that transcended ethnic and racial prejudices. His eyes were fixed on the king of glory. His heart was moved in kingdom identity to surrender himself and say, God, whatever you ask, I will do it. I will be yours. Charles is this relentless minister. He's fiery, he's quick to laugh, he's a tech guru, he serves mission hospitals, and he teaches me what it means to be a kingdom citizen. We relinquish the parts of our identity that don't align with the kingdom of God. Leek, if we wanna be a church of the nations, and we do, 
Pastor Matthew called this church to be a church that welcomes the nations, that welcomes the generations, and that welcomes revival. If we wanna be that church, Lake, we have some work to do in this. We have to diligently work to align our allegiances so that the seen world doesn't hold more power on us than the unseen world. You see, we have to not forget our ethnic identities. No, no, we know these identities are given to us by God. We're not colorblind. The kingdom of God is gonna be a party. It's gonna be filled with people of every nation and tribe and people and language. So we don't forget our ethnic identities, we surrender them. And we don't forgo national politics, we submit them. We submit so that our first and our foremost allegiances are to Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And so, we have access to a kingdom, and we become kingdom citizens by grace. We're rescued out of that kingdom of darkness, though, for a purpose. We're not just saved from something, we're saved for something. So the passage continues, we're not done yet, all right? Two, verse 15. It describes how Christ decided to reverse Genesis 3 and Genesis 4. Are you ready? So come back to me in the rest of chapter 2. It says that, yeah, remember you were separate from Christ. Starting in verse 12. Excluded from citizenship. Without hope, without God in the world. But Christ has brought us near. He himself is our peace. He made the two one. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing walls of hostility. He set aside in his own flesh the law, its commands, its regulations. His purpose, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two making peace. He took the severed relationship between us and God and he came to make within himself it complete. He took the severed relationship between humanity. He reconciled it in his body on the cross to make peace. Ah, this is good news. This is good news because now the, the curses of Genesis 3 and 4 are reversed. Now there's a new manner at work. Now there's redemption and remaking and reconciliation. And God is saying, church, join me in that purpose. We got work to do. And we have an unexpected family around the globe that's committed to being ambassadors of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5. And so now we talk about this reconciliation that's made available to us in Christ so that we might have restored communion with God and flourishing human relationships. And so this sermon goes back to where we started, point one. We share about the access we invite people to become kingdom citizens and together we work 
with purpose. The good works here, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What are those good works? Good works are talk and action. It's a lifestyle of words and it's a lifestyle of deeds. It is in church language, evangelism and justice. And in that there is no tension. There's no tension between evangelism and justice. You see, these are the good works purposed for us to accomplish and they are designed to match the specific needs of individuals in specific situations. So when justice is needed, we respond with justice. And when a word of hope in Christ is needed, we are quick to respond. We find that we respond in whatever the situation calls for with obedience. I want to talk about one more story from Poland, as Pastor Scott mentioned. Was gifted with a, um, a meeting with this fellow named Bartek. I had to have him pronounce it on WhatsApp. I still might be saying it wrong, I'm sorry. Um, Bartek is a father to three and a half. His fourth is on the way. He's got these bright blue eyes, chipper smile, big beard. You can tell he's quick to laugh and quick to have fun. But he carries a lot of weight on his shoulders. Scott and I drove up four hours to this small camp in Ostroda. It's unassuming, we parked on a dirt road and we walked in and you see a chapel and you see the dining hall and we were greeted with a fantastic breakfast, cucumbers and feta and hot tea. And Bartek sat across from us and he just began to share his story of obedience, the good works. And he talked about how God had called him to be this camp director and it had a series of, you know, 10 little summer cabins on the beachfront of a, of a small lake, canoes. And it was just like what our high schoolers are going to be experiencing this week. Except for one thing was a little bit different. Right at the outbreak of the crisis and the war between Russia and Ukraine, there was a series of children who'd been to summer camp in Estroda, at Camp Estroda, and they started Facebook messaging Bartek. Bartek, can we come stay at, at the camp? Can we come stay at the camp during this war? War has broken out. The kids initiated the conversation. Who knows, the parents, they gathered around, and what's unique about this situation is that it was about 30 kids from one village. And the parents together collaborated to send like an auntie and a grandma. And this whole village of 30 kids moved across the border to Camp Estroda. Bartek said, yes, come. We cannot say no. And so overnight, they started scrambling. How are we going to host 30 kids from Ukraine, and so together they found a way with these containers, and they built these 
these incredible little bunk bed rooms where each kid had new furniture and mattresses and quilts to greet them. And then there's a laundry tent where they did their own laundry and there's another tent where they could read or kick back and relax. And so we watched as 30 kids are thriving even in the midst of crisis. And Bartek's heart is just huge. He's running summer camps with churches and other people around. And then these kids are able to join in and go to chapel. And at the first chapel message at the beginning of summer, I gave an invitation to faith. One of the kids from Ukraine is like, I want Jesus in my life. Because that's how evangelism and justice blend together to be good news. I said, Bartek, how do you handle a whole summer camp, a village of kids, your own growing family, you know, facilities, staff, mission? He floored me when he said this. He said, I'm simply doing the good works that were prepared in advance for me to do. I'm so challenged and inspired by Bartek. I want to be able to say, Jesus, I did every good work that you had prepared in advance for me to do. Church, don't you want it to be said of us? We did every good work prepared in advance for us to do. We did it quickly. We did it with a pure heart. We set aside our allegiances and we were focused on Christ for his glory and for his kingdom. May it be so. May we be kingdom citizens. Pray with me. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you so much. Friend, if you're here today and you've never said yes to that access to the kingdom of light, you can say that prayer today. Jesus, I receive by faith your forgiveness. And I want a change of identity as a kingdom citizen. Jesus, meet with those people who are still thinking about who you are in this kingdom of light and open their hearts to see your love, your great love for them. And Father, other of us need to keep working at submitting and surrendering so that our identity is so strengthened as a kingdom citizen that we're ready no matter what to respond with obedience to you. And Lord, some of us, we've been content with being saved from oh god ignite a holy fire in us to move into being saved for let us join our brothers and sisters around the world in doing the good works that you have designed in advance for your people to do because we pray that your kingdom 
comes in our hearts. Your kingdom comes in this church. Your kingdom comes in this city and in our world. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you.